This talk is uh, about the globe and God's love for the whole world. And I have a question for you. How many of you have been on a missions trip? Like you have signed up, you've gone, there's huge opportunity here. So kind of interesting. I've had the chance to go on a few different trips. I was trying to rack my brain about some of my most positive memories or just like those moments that are like, what? You know, uh, whether it's to uh, another state or whether it's to another country, I'd have to say one of the most powerful moments I've ever witnessed was actually in uh, Colorado. It was in the Aurora Girls Detention Center. It was like a juvenile prison uh, in Aurora, Colorado. And we were there with a youth choir, and we were singing and just trusting God to move through our songs and touch these people's lives because we didn't have the platform to be able to present like the gospel message in this prison. We were just able to share it through our songs. And so we're in the middle of singing this song. If I remember right, the song was Kirk Franklin's He'll Take the Pain Away. And we're singing this song, and all of a sudden, the place just erupts and breaks in the presence of God, and people spontaneously in this room start to make a decision to follow Jesus. And they're weeping out loud and calling out to God while we're singing. It was unbelievable. Because we had been praying for it for months and, and we had been preparing as a youth choir and it, it was just an incredible moment. Then there was the moment that I had the opportunity and it was just four of us on a trip. Dana, my wife, myself, and two students in a youth ministry that went to Honduras to Gusagalpa, we were doing outreach to victims of a hurricane that had ravaged there. We were presenting the gospel in villages, and we're in this one far remote place from Tegucigalpa. And we drove like a ton of time to get there, and we're, we're uh, sharing the gospel through like these VBS things. And I no noticed this construction worker a ways off that was just watching, and so I decided to I, you know, I'm easily distracted. It's like squirrel, construction worker. So I walked over. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm not fluent in Spanish or anything, but I walked directly uh, up to this gentleman a ways away and tried to the best of my ability to share the gospel with this guy. And luckily a translator made it over there to help me. And we ended up talking about what we were talking about with the kids. And this guy makes a decision right there to pray and, and choose to follow Jesus. That wasn't the most incredible piece. The most incredible pieces we had are like, you always, uh, on these missions trips, you're in another country, you're going to buy some like stuff to bring home, right? So we're, we're on our shopping day. We're at this mall place, totally far away from that construction site. And um, we're shopping around for our token gifts to bring home and, and share with those who maybe helped us get there or financed us. And it starts to downpour when it was time to be back to the bus. And so we're sprinting through this downpour, and all of a sudden this hooded character is running at us from like this direction. And obviously there's a language barrier, there's fears, and we thought we're going to die. This guy's going to like, we've got bags of shopping that we just did. We're making our way to a bus, and a hooded man is sprinting towards us, and we're like, we're dead. And all of a sudden, we, so we kind of freeze. It's me and a couple students. And when he gets to us, he 
pulls his hood back, and it's the gentleman that we led to Jesus at that construction site. And he's like, glory adios, glory adios, praise God, praise God. And he opens up his coat, and he's got his Bible with him. And he had, over the course, had been a few days, had been reading the Bible, and was so excited about his relationship with God. To be able to see that was unreal. There's all kinds of moments that happen when you go out and you just serve people faithfully on the, the mission field at the ends of the earth, I guess you'd say, wherever that be. And we're going to talk a little about that today and hopefully stir something in some of you that God's been nudging you to, to consider. And uh, I can't wait to hear the fruit of today. John three sixteen and 17 says this. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God's plan has always been for for the whole world. It's always been global in perspective, right? God created man in his likeness and in his image to populate the world, and he loves every one of us, the whole world, everyone. You see these words throughout Scripture. God sent his son into this world he created for the whole world. Our big idea today is God's love is for all the world, all of it. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is what we would call the Great Commission. It's what God challenged us as followers of Jesus to do when we make that decision to say, okay, God, you've got me crossing this line of faith thing. I I, I believe it. I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and I I choose to, to invite him into my life. If you make that decision, all of a sudden you've signed up to, to follow the instructions in this text here. And they say this in verse 29 of Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. We just talked about doing a baptism in a couple weeks, right? Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we've been given a challenge for the whole world. God loved the world. We've been given a challenge to go out and share Jesus with all the nations. And if you've joined us over the course of the past few months, and specifically the first few months of the year, you'd know that our emphasis in 2017 has been those that God loves that are like right next to us, like literally our neighbors. We've been talking about neighboring, if you would. We called it neighboring eight. And what that means is the average suburbial house, if you take you as the center home, you've got a house to your left, your right, and three on that side, and three on that side of your, your property. Eight homes. What would it look like if you neighbored well? What would it look like if you were one who literally loved your neighbor across the street? So we, we looked at this reality of loving our neighbors, and our goal was, and still is, that we would have a passion to know our neighbors' names 
and needs and be able to pray for our neighbor by name and need on a consistent basis. And what would that do if we were that kind of neighbor? Now, here's something interesting. Reading through some of the different missions organizations that um, really have a passion to bring people to the ends of the earth and, and bring the gospel to unreached demographics of people who've never heard the message of Jesus, one of the websites said this. It is tragic and unacceptable that more than two-thirds of the world's population has not been given the opportunity to hear the message of Christ. Because of tribal, language, or social barriers, entire groups of people either do not have a Christian neighbor or anyone willing to become one. Wow. They don't have a Christian neighbor or anyone willing to become one to share the gospel with them. That's like right in alignment with our vision, right? Not only to be a neighbor here, but what if, just what if today God would awaken within someone in this room the desire to be a neighbor to somebody who's yet to ever hear the gospel? Maybe not just here, but somewhere else in the world. How cool would that be? Every person in this planet is the mission of God. And every person is a missionary who chooses to follow Jesus. And we're called to those who have a neighbor or don't have a neighbor. We just need to reach out farther and just find out who needs a neighbor who loves Jesus, who can serve well, who can love well. Great neighbors make great missionaries and great missionaries make great neighbors. So we have some thoughts for you today that we think will really awaken the heart of a global neighbor, the heart of a global perspective. And we feel like we've talked about the across-the-street local mission that we have really well. But our first thought is we help where it hurts locally and globally. That's something you hear us say almost every Sunday when we receive your offering because we do give 10% of everything that you give on a consistent basis to the church to help where it hurts both locally and globally. And the best form of making our faith known statistically in the world is by serving. It's serving people and it's being present in the life of individuals around us, the community around us. It's, it's being there with others and helping when it hurts and where it hurts. Serving is sharing and serving is the best way for us to grow in our relationship with Jesus. When we're, when we're pouring out, we can bring more in from God. We can accept more of him. It's like a sponge. If we wring the sponge out, we can soak up more, right? Well, we have this opportunity. This week, as I had, I had three different opportunities this week. Uh, really more than that, but it, just to be present where things were happening in the community, whether it was showing up to a coffee and tea shop opening up in Wilkeson and just hanging out and sharing vision about a future open life there, or whether it was uh, showing up and, and, and being a part of the development of a career and life path for students in the Sumner Bonnie Lake School District amongst 65 other community leaders. I was able to represent open life there. Really, so you were there because I was there. Your prayer, your encouragement, 
on mission present here in the local community. I was open life discovering the middle school's perspective across the street when we were asking students about what they saw as the strengths and needs of the community and as well that then rolls into the development of things for both city and local government and nonprofits that use that data to get grants into the community that serve kids in need. So it was kind of cool to be there and even see some of our students there during school come onto their turf and, and, and that was a blast. I was able to be open life and be present organizationally uh, in the most random of place I would not have anticipated this week, I was able to represent community partners for the Sumner uh, Bonnie Lake School District in the breaking of ground on Thursday in Tahale. Uh, they're building a new elementary campus, so I'm the red bow green shovel there. Now, this is crazy. This is random because you have like... City of Bonnie Lake, uh, city council person, city council person, city of Sumner, city council person, superintendent of the school district, board member of Sumner School District, Pierce County Councilman, and Pastor Thad. What the world, right? I'm like, who's the dude in the black jacket and why does he have a shovel? Because we've been present with the community. We've been serving the city. For eight years, we've been serving faithfully this area in this school district. So when they wanted somebody on a shovel that represented the community partners, community leaders, and grabbed somebody that wasn't an official of government in the city, they grabbed this guy that's a pastor. Now what does that mean? That means open life, you've been serving well. You've been present here. But how's our global presence? What would it look like? I mean, these were local moments made possible by our generosity, by our consistency, by our faithfulness. But what would it look like to serve our global partners with that same presence, with that same passion? That's kind of what I can't wait to see unpacked. And I think it's a huge opportunity for us. The Bible calls us to, to be sharers, right? To be witnesses is the Bible word. To be a witness means to tell someone what you've experienced. We do have missionary friends that have said, Thad, um, however you've done this, this community partnering thing and become present and experience the favor of God in the places you've experienced favor to do things like what you've done that we see and hear the stories of weekly, it's like, how do we do that in the Dominican Republic? Or how do we do that in, in Sarabaya, Indonesia? Or how do we do that? And so there's opportunity to coach and to go do that. But why, I can't wait to see that like take fire. Especially when Jesus' final challenge looked like this. This is what Jesus challenged his disciples to do in Acts 1.8. It says in the second half of the verse, You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We already know God's hearts for all nations and for the world. And so Jesus, God in the flesh, says you're going to be my witness. You're going to tell people about the experience you're having with me, you're living out right now, in Jerusalem. What does that mean? That's Bonnie Lake Sumner. That's this area. This your community. Wherever you live. Ording. Buckley. Enumclaw. 
Wilkeson. That's Jerusalem, the Jerusalem here. This is, and I think we're killing it organizationally, and we're growing in our presence out in community as individuals. We have some students I'm very proud of, I've heard stories of, starting a campus ministry at Glacier Middle School, hearing the rumblings of them wanting to be on mission during school, and what would that look like, and trying to brainstorm how to reach that school. That's, this is Jerusalem. But it also says Judea, that, represents like, that would represent Washington. It also says Samaria, so a little farther, right? Like maybe that's the whole U.S. to us in modern day language. But what does to the ends of the earth mean? Well, it's the whole world. And literally, if you define that, if you like translate that phrase, it occurs all over scripture. Like I have this Bible program and you type in something and it pulls up all of its occurrences in different translations. To the ends of the earth happens dozens of times throughout scripture. And it literally means far, far away. For those of you Shrek fans, you're like, it's biblical. Far, far away. Um, And it means to other countries. Acts 13.47, not in your notes or on the screen, says this. The Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. That's a visual. I get excited when I hear stories about those that are going to the farthest corners of the earth. It's just something in me that I think I didn't put there. I think it's God that puts that there. When we make a decision to follow Jesus, something begins to happen in us. We begin to love people at a degree we've never had the opportunity to love them before. And things begin to move us the way maybe they haven't moved us before. And I believe our vision increases. Why? Because you see Jesus model it when he was here on earth. Jesus did it this way. This is how he shared with this vision of being present and and being on mission with his disciples. In this occurrence, in Matthew 9, 35, Jesus did it this way. He says, he traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Jesus wanted the disciples to see the need. He took them with him. Because when you see the need, you get to know the need. Our second thought today is know the global need. When we know the needs that exist in the world, we begin to have more compassion for them. Jesus had compassion for the people. The disciples began to have compassion for the people. And that's when Jesus was like, you know I'm sending you out. You're with me. But we need to pray for more people to be called out. That's only going to happen if we know what's happening out there. 
There are unreached demographics throughout the world of people. Again, two-thirds of the world not knowing or being able to hear a, a clear presentation of God's love for them through the, his son, Jesus. They don't get that. They haven't heard that message. How do we get that to them? Well, they need to hear the gospel. Who will be the neighbor to those? They've yet to hear. Who will live in such a present way globally that they'll have a passion? And I know some of you are able to do that like on your job you're able to travel and be that light. That is cool. But I think there's opportunity for all of us. If we'll just listen to that voice of God and say, when he's saying, look, the harvest, we need workers. You can do this. We'll never be a witness to those we don't witness. I think that's why Jesus brought them along with him. He wanted them to see all the need that existed. And once they knew the need, they would have a passion to do something about it. Something happens when you not only witness like what's happening in the world, but when you know someone that it's happening to. I mean, I look at reports after serving in Indonesia for 30 days four years ago when I hear that there's a volcano erupting that could impact the people of Surabaya, Indonesia I'm like, I was there I have friends there on Facebook, Wajaya Wajaya, Wajaya is a popular name, you know, John, Corey I just like, I know people there like this could affect them it's different, all of a sudden I know people and so I pay more attention globally to what's going on it's not just another country when there's unrest in Kenya. And I know my friend Ben goes on medical missions trips there every year to Kenya. Or when you hear about something happening in Ethiopia, and I've got friends that serve in Ethiopia, you begin to pay attention and, and even pray a little harder. Thought three, pray for the world. Thought three, Pray for the world. Well, you, we pray for those we love. I mean, that's one of the things that drives us to, to pray. And when all of a sudden we experience and we go and we encounter global missions on some way or platform, we then begin to pray for those people that we met and have a, developed a heart for. Pray that all people will hear about Jesus. Like, that's one of the things we've been challenged to do in scripture. Pray for those who are trying to reach unreached demographics. And honestly, there's people doing ministry in the world that we can't even hear about because if we knew or accidentally posted something online about it, they're in danger. I've even been told from some of the missionaries we support, when we first released our app, they were like, hey, um, can you just take this wording out of the description there? I don't want to be beheaded. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, that's good. I'm not definitely don't want to be the reason for that. Right? So it's just the reality of where people are sharing their witness. We need to be praying that it's effective. Where do we get this? Well, we read this passage last week in portion. Ephesians 6 18 says this: pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. 
and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers everywhere. So that's what we read last week, right? So we know we're supposed to pray for those who are following Jesus everywhere around this planet because persecution happens and all that. But it continues. Listen to what we didn't read last week. It says, and pray for me too. So this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news for Jews and Gentiles alike, I'm in chains now. Still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. We did a series on prayer that we just came out of. But we need to be praying because there's people that are living boldly, globally, like we're not right now. They've answered this call. They're being present across this earth. What are some of the bold prayers we should pray for the bold believers? Well, there's prayers like for the believers everywhere and for specifically those who've answered the call to go. There's prayers like financial support. Lord, help people continue to fund them. Because they're the, the feet on the ground. Or, Lord, keep them healthy because they're in places that don't have the medical care that we have. Or, give them visas. Like Indonesia just changed their visa laws. So there's some issues with the missionaries that we support getting their visas renewed enough so that they can stay there doing the ministry they've begun. Safety. They're always... Issues of danger when you're in hostile government environments sharing the gospel. These are just some of the things that we can begin to pray. And God will show us the things to pray. So we need to know and we need to pray. Thought for, we need to give to the need. If you aren't in a season to physically go to the ends of the earth, which happens in life, you should not feel guilty when you can't go. Now, if you're ignoring the call to go, that's something different. But if you can't go, you should be able to give to those who are. That's why we set aside 10% of everything you give so we can support those who are going. Whether it's a short-term trip or whether it's a lifetime call, we want to be supporters and fan into flame. Take this amber of passion saying, yeah, I'll go to the ends of the earth. Let's figure out how and start to support that. Whole month, Open Life has been supporting what we call unreached demographics. It means those strategic partners we have, uh, we've been setting aside 10% of everything you give during the month of October to support those who are reaching unreached people all across the planet. And we've shared about those partnerships during the course of this month. Each time you give to Open Life, you're making a global impact. You just have to know that. But our dreams are bigger than 10% of everything you give to Open Life. What would it look like if Open Life, this is a secret little passion I've never shared. I'm going to right now because I pray for it. God, how would we be able to support half a million dollars a year, those that are sharing the gospel around the world? What would we have to do? It'd be bigger than just setting aside 10% of everything that comes in. It would be like maybe we would open a nonprofit coffee shop and all the profits for that would support those 
who are reaching people that have never been reached with the gospel. Well, Lord, maybe we would have the opportunity uh, if we did some, some fundraising for those global partners that we're partnered with that could take the gospel to the ends of the world, you know. And so we'll participate in more things like the Rescue Freedom Dinner we went to in September or uh, Speak Up for the Poor Dinner that's coming up. You know, just different opportunities where now we're driving funds that aren't even a part of Open Life here, but we're driving funds in from the community and those that are generous and benevolent to support a global perspective. What would it look like? I think there will be a day when we'll give over a half a million dollars a year to missions. It's an opportunity. It's something to pursue. If we hold tight to a global vision, man, we'll be able to do a lot. We'll become even more generous. But you know what we've been challenged to do already in the text we've read today? Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Sometimes, honestly, I think the easiest thing is for us to pray for people. You know when you've gotten a donation letter from a family or friend that's going to do something global? They always give you the option to pray, right? They're like, I really need money, but <laughs> have you seen that? I, you feel awful, especially when they want you to send it back and you only check the prayer box. It's called guilt offering, right? It's like, okay, I'll give you 20 bucks because I didn't want to just check the pray box. But the reality is, it's way easier for us just to pray and ignore that call on our life to go. We can't ignore it any longer. Our mission is local and global. We need to know the need. We need to pray for the need. We need to give to it, but we need to go as well. Thought five, go to the need. How many of you, I, I already just raise your hand one more time, have gone on a global mission trip? You've gone on a global mission trip. Yeah, you guys have been in Indonesia, and they're like, I don't know, have we been anywhere? Yeah, you've, not a lot, right? There's a ton of opportunity here. That should convict us and, and, and be, I pray that Open Life would be that church that is a sending church. Not just like, I'm going to give up the rest of my life, I'm going to walk away from my job, and I'm going to go live in another country for the rest of my days. That's one opportunity. But I think another opportunity is to do what the disciples did with Jesus. Whether it's a few states away or another country, it's just go walk with Jesus as he's ministering to people in other places and come back with a bigger perspective. Having now known people, now you're going to pray with more passion, give more generously, and want to go again. That's just the reality of what missions does. It'll solidify thoughts you've had of your faith. You know, a missions trip sometimes helps people make a decision to follow Jesus, but more often than not, it helps people affirm their thoughts they had toward Jesus. They're like, okay, so this gospel thing is real because I just saw something unbelievable that I would have never anticipated. It just deepens our faith. It's, it's the source of our story and our experience that just alivens our faith. That's why Jesus wanted us to go and be active in sharing our faith. When we started Open Life, it was to reach people here in Bonnie Lake first. 
And now, you know, we always knew we were going to have a desire to, to reproduce open life in all the surrounding communities to where we would have an open life in every community serving that community and being present in that community the way we're present in Bonnie Lake. That's just always been our heart. But we need that one dream that we kind of had that hasn't come about. And that's been a dream that every year we would send people on global missions trips. Whatever that looks like. I, I want a trip every year on the calendar. And maybe it's you know, a trip to, to Houston to restore some of the damage that was done there. And, and, you know, we've got a partner on the ground working right now, Convoy of Hope, that's making a difference through your generosity you've given towards it. And they're making a difference there with food and the needs of people. They're in Puerto Rico, uh, whether it's with our partners that are in Bangladesh with Speak Up for the Poor, or whether it's in Indonesia and th there's a pending volcano eruption in some of the places where our people are there serving. How can we we go and help the work that is needed globally. Missionaries are out there doing the work, but how can we become even those short-term missionaries and find in our schedule, in our life, a place to go serve? I would love for us to be sending people out every year and coming back with the stories and the life that would bring not only this church, but this community to have more and more members with a global perspective. I think it would transform transform us and our heart for the world. I pray that there'd be people that would then say, I think I'm supposed to full-time go into work in other parts of the globe, and we would be crazy about supporting you if you made that choice, just so you know, like way generous, because that's how we operate. What would it look like for every student in open life to go on a missions trip before they graduate? What would it look like for every family to go on a missions trip together? What? Every five, ten years? How beautiful would the stories be that would come out of a church that does that? Those are our prayers. We want to give you the ability to do it. We've been doing some preliminary planning even. But listen to this. Romans 10, 14. Last passage I'll read today. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him, speaking of Jesus, unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are those feet of messengers who bring good news. Consider this the challenge to be sent. Because we want your feet how many people are feet people? Can I just let's see if there's feet people out there? Not nobody's written. There's one hand. That was awesome. Anyway, this is a promise for beautiful feet. Let me just tell you, that's a good promise. If you want more beautiful feet, if you look at your feet and go, I want them to be beautiful, go. That's what Jesus challenged. Maybe there's something in that. Maybe I'm just trying to be funny and failing. But moving on, it says, you know, we're in the process of reaching out to our strategic partners saying, hey, what trips do you guys have going on? And within the next month, we'll have things put together to where we would love to have an informational meeting and say, here's what's coming in 2018. Jump on board. And so if you're feeling that stirring and you're going, uh, man, I think I'm supposed to do something like go somewhere, 
then check the missions trip box on your Connect card today. Or go to Next Steps on your app or on the website and fill out the little I'm interested in missions. We'll put you into the interested folder and inform you when that meeting's happening. But whether it's a strategic partner in Indonesia or Bangladesh or wherever, they're trying to put together what opportunities exist for us to go partner with. Our action point is simple. You need to find your part in God's love for the world. Worship team is going to come and play, and I'm going to pray for you. But you need to find your part. Is it knowing more? Do you need to learn more about what's going on in the world? Do you need to pray more about what's going on in the world? Knowing more will help the prayer. Do you need to start to, to give? Is today the first day you're going to support open life so that giving goes out to the globe? Do you need to answer that nudge to go? And you realize, man, I've made excuses over and over and over again, but I have to go this time. Whether it's short term or maybe you're, you've been sensing this is like where we're supposed to go. And we're supposed to go to this country and make a global impact on a consistent basis. I want to pray for God's stirring in your heart. So Lord, I thank you for everybody that's here today. And I know we share a little giving talk two-minute window at the end of every service that involves some form of global, local, or global mission. But Lord, today's talk is to awaken that longing in us that you put there. You're the one that challenged us to be sent, to go into the ends of the earth, to the farthest corners of the planet, and share the message of Jesus. And, and we've gotten there with one-third of the, the population, but Lord... There's so much work to be done. In the day and age we're in, it should be so easy to get the information to the ends of the earth, yet two-thirds do not know. So God, may you awaken our role in taking your love global today. May you awaken what our next step is. Challenge us. And may we be faithful to you and step into it. In Jesus' name, amen.